You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening again. It's Friday the 8th of April. It is Grand National Eve and it is the show which we devote entirely to determining whether each of the 40 runners in this year's Randolph's Grand National has a chance or no chance at all. And I've enlisted the services once again of the, I feel, great ombudsperson of horse racing, Lydia Hislop. (laughs) I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to take that. Interesting, interesting. But I do know that I insisted on doing chance or no chance. And I have actually looked forward to this all year. And I'm, I really am not kidding. We, we have to just keep you hanging on hooks just for a few moments, because we do have to just reflect on the first day of entry. Lydia, it looked thoroughly miserable from a condition standpoint, but there were some, there were some great races. We must focus first on this controversial stewards inquiry where Knight Salute and Pied Piper dead heated for the anniversary hurdle and after Pied Piper had edged left over the final hurdle, the stewards held an inquiry and notwithstanding Paddy Brennan, Knight Salute's jockey saying made no difference at all to the result, they gave it outright to Knight Salute. Milton Harris, the trainer of Knight Salute, saying not the way I want to win outright, but there you go. Lots of fevered debate afterwards. What did you think of A, the decision to hold the inquiry and B, the decision to demote Pied Piper from a share of the spoils? Well, it was all very dramatic because we had to wait for ages while the judge poured over the pixels to decide that it was actually a dead heat because it was very much a head up, heads down. It did look as though Knight's Loot had come to claim Pied Piper, but when you watched it again in slow motion, you realised it was a head bobber. Um, so we had to wait for um, the judge to, to call the result. And then immediately afterwards, the steward's inquiry, bing bong, sounded. Um, and then you're, obviously you start going through the rules. And I think once you start going through the rules, you inevitably have to think that for a dead heat, it is feasible that interference that has taken place on the final hurdle might have had an impact on that. Now, in the series inquiry, as you rightly say, Paddy Brennan said that he, it didn't make any material difference to him because he wasn't actually going to start Night Salute to ask Night Salute for his effort until after they'd landed over the final hurdle. Davy, um, Gordon, Davy Russell was also berating himself for hitting the front too soon on Pied Piper, which is, which is mostly um, irrelevant. Um, but uh, the, the two jockeys made their arguments in, in, in the stewards' inquiry. But beforehand, outside, Milton Harris was interviewed by Tom Stanley on Racing TV. And Tom asked Milton what he and Paddy said before going into the stewards' inquiry. And Paddy Brennan had asked Milton Harris whether he wanted to object. Now, this is no um, criticism of what Paddy Brennan then said in the stewards' inquiry, because connections can make whatever argument that they want inside the stewards' inquiry. And quite often, a jockey might be in a position whereby he has to represent a point of view of his trainer or his owner that he himself doesn't necessarily wholly agree with, but he's an employee in that situation, and he would have to do that. In this case, it seems that that Paddy Brennan was very genuinely arguing that he didn't think it, it made much difference. But the fact that he asked Milton Harris, the question suggests that it was a thing. So people who are sort of arguing that, that this is unprecedented, had no, it was too far out, had no impact on the result. Well, 
clearly the connections of Night Salute were talking about it and they opted that they weren't going to argue for the, the win outright. So it is down to the stewards to judge the evidence in front of them and only the verbal evidence from the jockeys is only part of that evidence. The primary evidence is actually on the video because that is, um, it's not bias, it's objective. You can, you can make your decision. Nobody's arguing an angle. Um, and that is what they made their decision based upon. Personally, I think there was enough time for Knight Salute to have won outright if he could, um, I, I think. Um, but I can see if you're going to apply the rules in that step-by-step -step way that they do, then I think it is a reasonable decision. So I'm not jumping up and down about it. I think it's a reasonable decision. As it happens, I think I'd have left it as it was. Elsewhere yesterday, Paul Nichols, with his success, courtesy of Clandes Oboe in the Betway Bowl, blew Nicky out of the water, only for Nicky to jump right back in it with Epatant in the Aintree Hurdle. Lydia, two commanding performances in their different ways. Yeah, that was really dramatic, the, the Aintree Hurdle. It looked like Epatant was coming to gather in Zanahir, but we know that Zanahir is a scrapper. And then, unfortunately, Zanahir took that tumble uh, with Jack Kennedy at the final hurdle. Both of them were OK, which was good to see. But the way in which Epatant stretched away all the way to the line suggests that she would have won anyway. And it, it made you think about a two-and-a-half-mile hurdle campaign. And obviously, there isn't much really going on unless she fancies taking on Honeysuckle in the Hatton's Grace. So afterwards, Nicky Henderson was talking about sticking to the sort of the same kind of programme. And of course, they've got Constitution Hill in the yard now as well, which for Nicky Henderson, uh, who likes to, to campaign his horses uh, separately until they have to clash in the big races like Cheltenham, um, that's going to present um, a headache. In terms of Clandis Zobo, he was, um, the magic was working again as it did 12 months ago of a first time headgear. So last year it was the first time cheek pieces, this time it was the first time blinkers. And you could see from a really early stage that he was enjoying himself. And he obviously just needs a horse that at his age now just needs something fresh in order to switch him on. And it was clear that he was going well from a very early stage. Most of the horses that ran in the big races at Cheltenham in that race seemed to show signs of, of their exertions in this, apart from conflated who of course didn't actually finish off but I think they got their answer connections there Davey Russell and Gordon Elliott that this is a horse that is more content in the rhythm and the tempo of a staying chase than over shorter Right, Grand National time and before we get stuck into the 40 runners and riders let's just take a quick check on the betting with Fitzder Sam Hocknell um, We had a big move uh, for the mayor earlier in the week um, which would be a great story uh, so at the moment, we're 15-2 to favourite on Snow Leopardess. 9-1 uh, to one Delta Work, who's one we saw a lot of money for after his run at Cheltenham. Um, he wouldn't be a good, a good result for us at the moment, anti-post. 9-1 to one any second now, 10-1 uh, Manila times. Yeah, well, we've seen a bit of money for Cloth Cap. He comes in at number 30 this year, having you know, won the Labrador Trophy a couple of years ago. And he's won a, a bit of money at a price we've seen some money for. What about for, for this afternoon? Looking at today, um, it's sort of been one-way traffic on uh, Fakir Duderies for us in the Melling chase. Um, he looks like he could almost go off even money in that race and he looks to have a great chance against probably a few horses that have question marks. Um, so he's been extremely strong. Uh, and John Bond may be a little bit weak in the, in the top novices hurdle. Right. Now it's the moment you've all been waiting for. We're going to... <laughs> uh, you're looking forward to this, aren't you? I am, I am, I am. Right. Drum roll, please. Fanfares for this year's Grand National chance or no chance, it's Lydia and it's me with occasional interruptions from our team of brilliant podcasters 
on this show who've all submitted their own Grand National selections. But we're not really taking any notice of what they think. Here we go. Right. Number one, last year's winner, Henry de Bromhead, Rachel Blackmore, Minella Times, Lydia. No chance. No chance for me either. No chance for me. Up 15. No, can't have him. Number two, Delta Work, winner of the cross country, the horse who beat Tiger Roll at Cheltenham. Chance. Chance. And I believe Rishi Passat agrees. My main selection for the Grand National is Delta Work. Yes, he's an obvious one, but he brings a touch of class into the race as a multiple grade one winner. And he comes into the race off the back of that fine effort winning the cross-country chase at the Cheltenham Festival where he and Tiger Roll pulled Miles Clare of their rivals. But I also like his stable companion, Mount Ida. She's unexposed over staying trips. She's only had one run over beyond three miles. That was in the Kimya in 2021. And that, to me, was her career best performance. So she's going to have another go over a stamina test in the Grand National. And I think it will bring out the best in her once again. So Delta Work and Mount Ida are my two plays in this year's National. Richie reporting from Augusta. Here's Jane Mangan at Aintree thinking along similar lines. I'm siding with Delta Work in this year's Aintree Grand National. Yes, he was the Grinch that spoiled Christmas at Cheltenham, but he can create his own festive cheer at Aintree. Jack Kennedy was super confident across the country on him at Cheltenham, and if he takes to the Evergreens, his class will come to the fore. Right, lots of big ups for Delta Work. On we go, Lydia. Easy's Land, cross-country winner of 2020. Absolutely no chance. No chance at all. May as well start now, even with the genius of John Joe O'Neill around these fences. Four is any second now for the two unrelated Walshes, Ted and Mark. Last year's third, Lydia? This is, my, this is the one I'm sticking my neck out on. Place chance, yes. Win chance, no, no chance. Wow, wow. I'll at least mm. say chance. I'm not brave enough to incur the wrath of Father Ted on this one. <laughs> there are simply too many Walshes in horse racing to say no chance. So I will say chance any second now, but I think there are more likely winners. Uh, five, Run Wild Fred, who finishes second a lot. No chance. I say absolutely no chance at all. Wouldn't pass a parked car. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Davy Russell for Gordon Elliott. Six is lost in translation. What a classy horse. Former Gold Cup placed horse. That's an angle, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, no chance. No chance for me either. Just too many physical problems, I think, to, to really dig in for this test. Seven, I'll tell you what, we're, getting, we're putting a line through quite a few. We really are. I, mean, I decided to be bold. I took that view from the outset. Um, Brahma Bull is written by Brian Hayes, who is the partner of, of Rachel Blackmore. Rise this one for Willie Mullins. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. Yeah, no chance. Eight is in the same ownership. Burrow Saint, who finished fourth last year, now written by Paul Townend, replacing Patrick Mullins. Still no chance. I'm going to say chance. Ooh, won't stay, surely. Yeah, well, this is it. He's had a wind operation, which might help him. Mm. And the run two back makes me think he might have a better chance if he's ridden a bit more patiently. The only thing is, um, he ran horribly last time. So I couldn't really put him in my four, but... I'm still sort of, there's a niggle in my mind that maybe he can, he can run well. Nine is Mount Ida, another one for Gordon Elliott. Dennis O'Regan's been second in the race on Black Appalachie. Mm, I hope he's packed his wetsuit for the canal turn. No chance. <laughs> yeah, no chance. She just doesn't pick up the bridle enough for me for a Grand National. She um, just goes out to her right the whole time. Ten is Longhouse Poet, the Fiestes winner for Martin Brassel, who won it with number six Valverde and was on the podcast earlier this week. Chance. Yeah, big chance, I think. 
11 is Fiddler on the Roof. For Colin Tizard, Brendan Powell's father won this on Rhyme and Reason in 1988. I found this one difficult. I've come on the side of chance. You'd cer I certainly give him a chance on the way he travelled and jumped in the Ladbrokes Trophy. I was less impressed with Ascot last time. On the basis that maybe that was just a stepping stone to entry, I've landed on the chance side. Ch chance, Lydia, and more than that, I've landed on him as my pick. Ooh, Ooh well, I'm glad I was uh, tactful. Now, 12, two for gold in the Colours of the Rainbow Hunter, who ran in this race three times, but he's a better horse than him. David Bass for Kim Bailey. No chance. I was, I, I agonised over this, because he is a classy horse with grade one form, but I look back at last year's Topham, he didn't enjoy yes. this very much. He did not like it at all. And that, for me, means no chance. Doesn't travel smoothly enough. 13, Santini. No chance. Oh, oh. And you gave him a squeak in the Gold Cup. I did. I, I mean, I, that was on the basis that, it, that somebody would take the race by the scuff of the neck and it would be strongly run. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to hold his position. They'll try to, but I'm not sure he's going to be able to here and that's going to be key. Do you know what I think? Mm. No chance. Right. Sam, <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam Crowe. Graham, Sam Crow was one of the last ones to qualify for this with a, a, a third or fourth at Down Royal. Anyway, whatever he did. Um, Gordon Elliott for Sh and Sean, Sean Bowen, 80 to 1, Sam Crow. Yes, the uh, reformed wonderkind. Uh, no chance. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. Yeah, no chance. Uh, 15 is Escaria 10, um, who's got some interesting form in staying chases in Ireland, particularly when behind any second now last time. Chance. Okay, this is going to surprise a few people. I'm going to say no chance. Ooh, explain yourself. Well, because everything looks right when you first look at it. And then I look at his runs when he's actually had like a big field and, and I don't think he likes it. I, don't, I, don't, I, I think he wants a bit of space in his races. Um, he's very classy. If Adrian Heskin can keep him out of trouble and get him sort of just tipping away, I think he'd be okay. But I, I think it's such a big if in, in this race. I, I, I say no chance. I just I don't okay. like him with this many runners. 16 is good boy Bobby. Uh, Daryl no Jacob chance. had a pick of four and he's gone for that. You say no chance. Mm, I do. Go on. I've got the small field thing against him as well. I, I, I wonder whether he prefers to, to boss smaller fields. Um, and I just feel that there are other horses that are classier and more naturally suited to this task. Okay, I'll give him a little chance. 17 is Lord Dumenil. No chance. No chance. Absolutely no chance. 18 is Coco Beach, the sort of ninth string for Gordon Elliott. <laughs> no chance. No chance. 19 is Derasha Counter, former Ladbrokes Trophy winner. Yeah, interesting one. Um, I'm, I've come down on no chance, but that's an iffy one, I think. <laughs> I give him a chance. I give him a chance. Okay. He's well handicapped. I've tried to be bold. You know, I just thought I'd try to be bold. I, he is well handicapped. I mean, he's won, a, he's won a Ladbrokes Trophy, and I thought he shaped really encouragingly in the Denman Chase last time. But, I mean, just one run into the National, I don't know. Mm. And, and the Midlands National run. 20 is Kildesart. Chance. Um, I think the uh, narrow defeat in the Ultima, um, the uh, win at Aintree at this meeting on the Mild May course in Staying Chasers. I know he's had some issues. He's been off about 15 months, but I, shaped, I think he shaped pretty good um, over an inadequate trip last time. I think he's feasibly handicapped. I, mean, I think you're duty-bound to come up with some horses that will run well at a, at a good price, and this is one of them. Okay, yep, chance. Uh, 21, Discorama. No chance. No chance. I liked him last year, and he just sort of faded disappointingly. He's no better this time. 22 is Top Bill Ben. 
No chance. No chance. 23 is Enjoy Dalen, third in last year's Irish National. Chance. Yeah, chance. I quite like his, his chance. He, he runs well in big fields. Is he quite classy enough? I don't know, but quite like him. This is David Yates speaking in the 2022 Randolph's Grand National. I'm going for number 23, Enjoy Dallon. This horse was a staying on third in the Irish Grand National at Ferry House last spring. One run over fences this winter, and it was a good one when third at Leopardstown over Christmas. I'm disregarding the two outings over hurdles either side of that. He's a horse that I think has got more improvement to come. He's a safe jumper, and I think he will relish the four and a quarter mile trip. Randolph's Grand National, Dwarf at Aintree at 5.15 selections number 23 enjoy dallon 24 annabelle fly who's run a ton of good races in this and all other big staying chases absolutely no chance <laughs> i think age is catching up with him even though he's trained <laughs> by tony martin um, no chance 25 is dingo dollar this could be controversial no chance yeah no chance whatsoever oh. absolutely no chance here's tom stanley My tip for the National is uh, very much trying to be clever, Dingo Dollar going the Aurora's Encore route, second in a Scottish National, hopefully comes back the following year and win, wins the Grand National. Was second in the Scottish National to Mighty Thunder last year and then has been campaigned with this race very much in mind, a couple of starts before the, the winter break and then just a reappearance effort at, at Kelso. Um, yes, on the face of it, it was probably a, a bit disappointing. but. We know that the trip should be absolutely fine. Um, I think a, a drying couple of days will suit because the, the bed of the ground seems more suitable to Dingo Dollar. Uh, he's got the right man on board with Ryan Manier as well. So Dingo Dollar at a price. Trying to be careful. Very good. <laughs> very good. That's, it's very good. That's Tom Stanley explaining why Dingo. Dingo Dollar's got a chance in the national. Oh, this is going to. This is He's gonna, wrong. The Dingo is going to come and bite us on our collective. <laughs> 20, oh, better, better hair, though, Nick. Better hair. 26 is the Irish Grand National winner from last year, Freewheeling Dylan. Massive price, this horse. Chance. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Little chance. Um, and Lee Motter said thinks the same. I'm going to be pretty bold in selecting a 50 to 1 shot as my Grand National tip. That is freewheeling Dylan. He was three times that price on winning last season's Irish Grand National, and I don't believe that was a fluke. In fact, he was still going well when very unfortunate to lose his jockey deep into a Cheltenham cross-country chase this winter. I think that bodes well for his prospects on Saturday out of the huge price. I think he could go close to winning the Randox Grand National. 27 is Class Conti. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. I'm pleased Sam Twiston Davis has picked up a ride in the race after all his efforts on the same owner's good boy Bobby earlier in the season. But I don't think Class Conti is going to be providing him with a winner. No chance. 28 is Noble Yates, Sam Whaley Cohen's retirement ride. The plot, the plot. No chance. No chance. 29 is Mighty Thunder. No chance. Chance. I don't Chance. like his run style. Run style. No. That, that, the way he's ridden so patiently, I just I think it's even more paramount these days in the Nationals since the modifications and the, the drop distance, the way the race is framed, that you have to be able to hold a prominent position, and he doesn't. Okay. I think Chance. I think he's... You can ignore his last two runs. He's had a wind up. He travelled fine at Musselburgh last time until stopping sort of suspiciously quickly. I, I, <laughs> think he can, I think he can go well. That was before the weights came out as well, by the way. I think he can go well. 30 is Cloth Cap, who was favourite last year, apparently brilliantly handicapped. 
Um, yeah, I can see him maybe running a bit better, but no chance. No chance. Uh, 31, here we go. Snow Leopard S, Charlie Longson, Aidan Coleman. There's no juice in her price, but surely there's juice in her chance. This is going to kill me, but I'm going to say no chance. She's not going to fail for want of character, um, but no chance. Oh, I'm saying chance. I know, chance. I know. I, I think you're probably right here, but I decided that I, as I said, I'm going to be bold, and that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I'm saying chance. I, I don't think she's the best handicapped horse in the race. Well, I know she's that's not the best handicapped like. horse in the race. But I, have ne- I don't think I've ever seen any, any horse measure these fences with such precision as she did in the Beecher. And I, I'm not certain that she'll stay, but she's, she's so good over them that that has to give her some sort of a chance. 32 yeah. Augusta Gold. There's one form line that gives her a chance, and that was in the Punchestan National Trial, I think, in 2019. Uh, but since then, her jumping's fallen apart. No chance. I say no chance, even though Danny Mullins has got a little bit of magic about him. Uh, 33 is Phoenix, Phoenix Way. Absolutely no chance. Oh, Kevin Brogan was good on this horse earlier in the season. He'll have to be even better here. No chance. <laughs> he really will. 34 is Daisha Arbor. No chance. No chance at all. 35 is Black Lion. I argued last year that he would uh, complete and might either sneak into extended each way places. Uh, the same is probably true, is in better form, but to win, no chance. No chance. 36 is Poker Party, Henry de Bromhead and Robbie Power. Absolutely no chance. No chance. And we have, we have ruled out a pleasing amount of horses here. I so- know, I know. It was, a, it was a bit of a day. You said to me, I don't think that we're going to be able to rule out so more. So I thought, right, right. Let's set about this. Slash it. 37 is Death Duty, Jordan Gainford for Gordon Elliott. Quite impressive at Punchestown in February. Chance. Chance. He's still 40 to 1. Yeah, it's a big price. Far too big. That, that, that Ultima run last time definitely backed it up. He's entirely unexposed as a marathon chaser. 38 is Domaine de Lille for Sean Curran and Harry Bannister. Ah, no. The trainer has won the Scottish National with a rank outsider, but absolutely no chance. No chance. No, 39 is Eclair Surf. Chance. Got to have a chance, hasn't he? Got to have a chance after that really impressive win at Warwick and that excellent second to win my wings. Does he jump well enough, do you think? I was, I was looking at that. I think he makes the odd little minor error. I would like the way he then goes about the next fence. He inevitably really attacks the next fence. So I think he could jump a little better, but I'm not too concerned, particularly as you can brush through these fences. And okay, just before we get to the final one, here's Cornelius Lyset. I've liked a couple for a while and I've backed them, but I've slightly put myself off Santini because he ran in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. So everything is rather hinging on Fortescue, uh, which has a bit of everything himself. Certainly ability, looks as though he'll stay an extreme distance. A little bit of a story as well, a British owner breeder, Tim Nixon, Mr. TFF Nixon, those green and orange quarter colours have been around forever and Tim's not so well at the moment so it'd be a real boost for him and it's his grandson Hugh Nugent who's riding and Hugh's had had a confidence boosting session with John Frankham in the build-up to the race and he's got in for ages it looked as though he wouldn't get in so Fortescue or as I call him Fortescue. Right Cornelius gives number 40 Fortescue a chance the last one to get in Hugh Nugent riding for his grandfather owner breeder good story Lydia. 
Any chance? It is a really, it's a really good story. And the horse seems to have escaped the family's loony gene as well, which is good. Um, untested at marathon trips. Really like the Ascot run last time. I've just got that lingering large field doubt about him, the one you mentioned for Ascaria 10. So teetering again, no chance. And just in case, um, in the sort of three minutes between the time this is published and the time that, the, that you have to sort of take one out to get a horse in, we better do a couple of the, uh, the reserves. 41 is Commodore. No chance. Well, I give him a chance if he gets in. Uh, right, go on. Well, because uh, I was so impressive at Cheltenham, and if he could, if he could get into a rhythm on the front end, I still think he's got a bit up his sleeve. Second time off off a wind up. Um, Forty two schoolboy hours. Chance. Yeah, I'd give him a chance only because Noel Mead was so bullish about him being a Grand National horse earlier in the season. So there we are. There are all forty plus the two reserves for this year's grand national i'm not sure that we both gave that many a shout did we no i, I think collectively we managed to side through the field with uh, with a plum um do you want my winner yes please I, I don't just want your winner i want your one two three and four ooh, ooh, do you right okay i'll, I'll do it in reverse order fourth because as i said i think you need to put up a big price one kill to start third any second now because I do think he'll place i think he's a typical kind of horse that will come back and place but i think it's too much to ask um for him to be able to win it escaria 10 um i think that he um is has been laid out for the race and uh, is just ideal for it i'm slightly worried about your um big field point i can explain away the irish national i think okay. but and he did make a bad mistake at the start of Paisis, but maybe it was because he was in a big field i might go and revisit that you've put a, a, a doubt in my head but anyway my winner which i am not doubting at all is longhouse poet Lightly raced, progressive, overstaying trips, won the Thaistes on his penultimate start, and he was always travelling and jumping well towards the four. Um, last time's task wasn't really ideal. He's got the ideal profile, the ideal run style, and, of course, his trainer, Martin Brassel, won the race in 2006 with number six, Valverde. All right, so my final four, although I've, I've been tempted by all sorts of horses at big-ish prices, um, I think good boy Bobby will run quite well, actually. I think Mighty Thunder will run well. If you're betting down to however many places, I think you can get a piece of the action late on at a big price. But I think Enjoy Dallin will run a really sound race, as he always does. He just lacks a little bit of class for me, but I've got him in fourth. I think Snow Leopardess will run really well, but might just lack the finish of a couple late. Uh, she'll finish third. I think second, I've got Delta Work, who'll just fail to give away a little bit of weight to Fiddler on the Roof, a victory Ooh. in the Grand National for Colin Tizard in his final season with a license. They do come what true, these fairy tales. Yeah, yeah, they do, often in the National as well. Yeah, that would be a great story. Well, final thought from Lydia in a moment. But as you heard yesterday on the show with Tom, huge worldwide audience for the Grand National. And there will be keen interest, no doubt, from Australia, where we can check in now with Jim McGrath. Nick, the Grand National is looming. And here in Australia, plenty of national hunt weather about, particularly in Sydney, the rainfall has been of biblical proportions and the latest deluge started this Friday morning. Let's hope racing goes ahead at Randwick because there are 10 races scheduled, four of them group ones, and it'll be on a track described as a heavy 10. That's top of the gauge. And if it was open-ended, that reading would probably be a heavy 14. Australasia currently has four of the top 10 horses in the latest TRC World Rankings and three of them run in Saturday's feature, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes over a mile and a quarter with a first prize of £1.23 million. Who do I think will come out on top? 
My Money is on three-year-old Animo, second in the Cox Plate last October and a recent winner of the Rose Hill Guineas by six and a half lengths in heavy ground. He's trained by James Cummings for Godolphin. Very elegant, the Melbourne Cup winner, who's twice been runner-up in this race, is strongly fancied by trainer Chris Waller, who you heard exclusively on Nick Luck Daily earlier in the week, indicating that he strongly believes this great New Zealand-bred mare can book her ticket to the Ark by winning. Chris was exuding confidence, I thought. Other chances, Dewis, the Australian Cup winner for another Cummings, Edward, brother of James, another grandson of Bart, and also I'm Thunderstruck, who backs up a week after his gallant second in the Doncaster Mile. And finally a mention for Zaki, Annabelle Nisham's flagship, who's an unknown on ground as heavy as this. By the way, the Queen has a runner in the two-mile Sydney Cup, Chalk Stream, having his third start in Australia. Trainer Waller will have informed Her Majesty, I'm sure, that the best of Chalk Stream will almost certainly be seen next year. Waller saddles five in the Sydney Cup with his first prize of £623,000. And he could well win with another ex-Brit, Crystal Pegasus, a recent winner of the Mornington Cup. I'm off to rest up for the National, broadcast here in Australia at 2am Sunday morning. Hope it's another cracking race at Aintree. Well, thanks to everyone for their input today. A special thanks to Lydia. Um, thank you very much for playing uh, this silly game again. But I, it, You don't have to thank me for that, Nick, honestly. I, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I know it's and, daft. And, and your confidence in Longhouse Poet has not in any way been diminished. No, not in any way whatsoever. No, um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by it. That is going to be my tip, in fact. Lydia has the last word then on Longhouse Poet for this year's Randox Grand National. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again after the weekend when we will be dissecting it all, but have a fabulous couple of days at Aintree from all of us and all the team here on the podcast. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.